Hello. Hello. It's the Let's Go Eat Show. I'm Bill Allred, your congenial, although at this point pretty tired host. Uh, we're recording this um, intro uh, to the Trent Harris episode. He's one of the uh, rare people we've had on the podcast twice. Trent Harris, local film director. People, uh, Carrie and Gina say he's a weirdo. Um, you know, if you listen to this, Trent's not a weirdo at all. He is A, really, really smart. He's B, really, really talented. And I don't know if you can tell by his voice. I think he's one of the nicest people I know. He's just a nice person. And he's really talented. He's directed a lot of interesting movies, a lot of movies that sometimes don't make sense, but they're always interesting, and uh, I, I feel really privileged to have been in two of them. Uh, we talk about that in this uh, episode of the Let's Go Eat Show. We talk about his current m- movie that he's just releasing in September, and, um, and try to make heads or tails out of some of the things he says. It's Trent Harris. It's the Let's Go Eat Show. Uh, Dylan Allred produces it, and uh, now here it is. Uh, are you rolling? So I, uh, Trent Harris is here, and I tell people the story of uh, when I did a movie with you. I've been in two of your movies. That's right. Delightful Water Universe, and now uh, Welcome to the Rubber Room. But when we were doing uh, Delightful Water Universe. Uh, I said to you, and I had a lot of scenes in that movie. You were the star. <clears throat> okay, I would. I didn't <laughs> want to say that. Um, and uh, I played Scott Vicious. And uh, I said to you at one point, because uh, you know you, we'd film and then we'd lay off for a couple of three weeks or uh, sometimes longer than that. And I said to you at one point early on, I said, Trent, now I got to make sure that I'm wearing the same shirt. Or I think I said I I don't remember which watch I had on. Uh, we have because uh, we got to do this for continuity. And do you remember what you said about I'm that? I'm sure. I what did you I'd, say about that? I said if they're looking at your watch, we're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if they notice that, yeah, I think it wasn't. It wasn't something as obvious as a shirt, but mm. it was like I think it was my watch. Might have been. I didn't know what watch. If I'd had the same watch, if we're if we're looking at your watch, then they ain't watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not, if that's what they're paying attention yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't recommend most people do that. Real close to Mike there, Trent. Oh, okay, sorry. How's that? that They're not very good. That's good. That's better, okay. You wouldn't recommend what? I wouldn't recommend uh, that my continuity uh, approach to (laughs) other filmmakers. (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) Uh, In a way, that is sort of the charm of Trent Harris movies sometimes. There's no continuity. Well, there is some. Uh, let's talk about. Um, well, I want. Let's talk yeah. about continuity. Do you watch a lot of movies, Trent? I, uh, yes, I do. A lot of old ones, new ones. Do you go to the theater and watch a lot of new movies? I don't go to the theater so much, but I do. I rent movies almost every night. Do you? I'm still a guy that uses DVDs and Blu-rays. Okay. And I believe in. Those. But you I don't like. like but uh, you, you, you've told me that you don't like. You don't like the big, new, modern blockbuster movies mostly? Often I don't. I mean, if I never, ever, ever, ever see another uh, comic book hero movie, it would be too soon. I mean, do we really need another Batman? Another? I mean, all of that. I, I just find them... I find them dull. Yeah, I, they, and they're all kind of the same. They, you know, they build up to a play, point where uh, they all get in a big fight and destroy the city. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. always the same. But yeah. when you when you watch, it's kind of like the end of Plan Ten from Outer Space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Destroys the city. That's yeah. for sure. Does continuity bother you in other people's movies? 
I know. Nope. I never look at that stuff. There's always somebody in the audience that who would does, pick, and I hate those people. Yeah, there's a, there are websites <laughs> there are websites that you can go to for any movie, yeah. uh, and even the just the brand you know, and people will mm-hmm. find they sit there and they watch for the continuity yeah. errors. I yeah. don't notice them either unless they're glaring. I I try I tend to notice them, like if a watch somebody has a watch on and then doesn't, or it's on the different hand, or they their ties. I tend to notice it, and I really try not to be the person to go. The tie's different. The tie, because because that's a jerky thing to do. But I, it does. They do bug. It but does you bug can, me. you can't help yourself. You do it. You stand up. In the, you stand up in the theater and yell. No, no, no. <laughs> but he does have a website where <laughs> where yeah. he yells. Yeah. <laughs> this is what they did. Uh, Trent Fourteen Harris. minutes in, the tie changes to a different color. And, uh, so your latest movie, uh, Welcome to the Rubber Room. Yes. Uh, what was the was the previous one? Uh, Delight for Water Universe or no? Mesa Luna? Was Luna that? Mesa. Luna Mesa. Yeah, Luna Mesa was the last one. Actually, I just put out a, after Luna Mesa, I put out something called Mondo Movie, which is a collection of my shorts. Oh. Yeah, mm. seldom seen secret shorts. You know, Bill, I've made almost 200 movies. You haven't. N- seriously. If you really? add up all of the short films, the experimental films, the television stuff I've done, I had to figure this out the other day, and it was like, my God, I've made almost 200 films. Do you include the television, the commercial work? I, yeah, the, yeah, I mean, the commercial that's, that's, work you do. Yeah. yeah, right. And so, you know, I'm the documentaries for PBS, et cetera. And you still do that, right? You know, I was up until a couple of months ago, and the show went off the air. And, and what was the name of that show? The uh, show was called Religion and Ethics. And it had been on for years. Yeah, right? 20 years. What did you do for it? I produced produced documentaries all over the world. I was kind of a foreign correspondent producer. I mean, I did stories in Burma, all over Africa, all over Southeast Asia, uh, South America. That was kind of was your bread and butter. Yeah, it was a great gig while it lasted. Mm -hmm. Well, 20 years. Well, I wasn't there the whole 20, but the show was. uh, So uh, what are you going to do? I am taking Spanish class at the moment. Okay, that's a smart thing to do. Yeah, and uh, everybody should know how to speak Spanish. I yep. think so, and I'm not really too worried. I've been kind of uh, enjoying painting. I paint again and photographs, and I'm, an, I'm not in trouble financially. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't have any money, but I'm not going to get kicked out or anything. But the, I'm uh, uh, just enjoying kind of. Thinking about different things for a minute. You're good. No sense of panic or no sense of panic. No, I've been in. I just spent ten days in Mexico City. Look, and all I did down there, other than earthquakes and hurricanes, was uh, uh, go to museums. Were you there when the uh, earthquake happened? Yes. Oh, I got to oh, tell wow. you, there was the yeah. neatest thing that happened. When I was in Mexico City, it didn't really hit that hard there. I mean, the right. epicenter I think was 400 miles away. Right. The sky lit up after the earthquake. It looked like northern lights. Like huh. these first, and so I thought, wow, you know, what was in that margarita? But I went back <laughs> and I, I looked it up on the internet, and apparently there's a rock, a certain kind of rock that cracks in earthquakes and releases ions into the atmosphere, and you get these kind of mini northern light effects in Jeez, certain earthquakes. That's yeah. cool. Did I you know. take your? Did you have your camera with you? No, no. But oh. actually, there is video of it on the internet. I saw some. Yeah. In the, yeah. Mm. I, so uh, that's great that you're doing that, though. I yeah. Mean, just just kind of traveling and, and uh, doing what you want to do and relaxing. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, I'm quite. A, I thought I was going to be in a t- total panic. Two hundred b- different movies and pieces pieces yeah. of film, I guess is what. Yeah. You would say. I mean, you know, I started making movies when I was 
I think 17 or 18. And I have been working nearly every day since then on a movie in one way or another, Mm -hmm. whether I'm writing it, producing it, promoting it, thinking about it. You know, that adds up to the 200 movies. I think you told me about that before. This is when you were... A kid in Idaho you started? No, I actually started here in Salt Lake, but uh, it was the first year of college when I got What was the first movie you made? Mud. It was called Mud. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they stole that from you and did that Matthew McConaughey movie. (laughs) That's right. You should have sued those I know, and it was exactly the same plot. (laughs) What was the plot of your Mud? Well, there wasn't really a plot. It was pictures of Mud. And it was pictures of Mud uh, uh, cut to a Jimi Hendrix soundtrack. It was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Do you still have it? You still have I it? wish. Uh, I wish. What? So uh, you say you you publish the uh, short this uh, thing of shorts. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Um, Mondo movie. Mondo movie. How many different movies are in it? Oh, what I think there's about twenty on that one. And what's the earliest one? Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, some of them go back to the. 70s. There's some from the 70s. There's I one, one, one in there on Timothy Leary. I did Timothy Leary in the in like 76. Allen Ginsberg is on there. Where you talked to them and interviewed them? And yeah, so. made little movies with them. God, you know, you, you, you surprise me every time I talk to you. <laughs> you made a movie with Allen Ginsberg? Yeah, yeah. I spent uh, four days with Ginsberg, and actually, it was weird because it was the day. I remember it was the day that Reagan got shot. Mm. I was with Ginsburg, and we were driving down the street, and I'm going, oh, my God. And what did he say about <laughs> he it? He said, live by the gun, die by the gun. Why are you so uh, you know, upset You're about You're surprised this? by this? Why are you surprised? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, you know, when I, me- I remember seeing a movie that you did where you're wandering around out on the salt flats. Yeah. The, or, uh, out. Naked Reality is the title of that one. That's actually... Maybe my very favorite movie I've ever made. I don't know where I saw. You must have shown it to me. Maybe or it was at the media center. Or it's, I don't so, know. It's so cool. I, you know, I made that whole movie in one day, and I think it might be the most actually successful whole piece I've ever done. It's you're, only about twenty minutes or something. You're but satisfied it, by it? I most. just think it works on every level mm-hmm. more than it, maybe any film I've ever made. And it's just you, you're just wandering the salt flats. Yeah, I mean, looking for reality, trying to figure out what to take a picture of. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> you. It's featuring yeah. featuring you. It's just me and the camera wandering around where there's nothing. Trying mm-hmm. to, it's actually. Yeah. I'll, I'll get you a copy of Mondo. It's really movie. cool. How, so, and that's uh, on Mondo movie. Oh, you know where that is? That's on. Uh, I think that's on as an extra on the Plan Ten from Outer Space. That's video. where I saw it. That's uh, where it is. Yeah. How many of your own movies are you in? How often oh, are you in your movies? Uh, More than maybe a cameo. Not. I mean, not much. Well, mm-hmm. gosh, I guess I was in Luna Mesa. I had to be in Luna Mesa it because was I was the only one there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it got, it got to that point where I was. <laughs> I haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah. I've seen the shorts and a couple of different shorts from Luna Mesa. Uh, it was a detective story. Kind of. I mean, it's a, it, it almost operates more like a poem than it does a movie, quite frankly. It's, I'd like to, I've got to see the whole thing because it's yeah. really pretty. Oh, it's, yeah. Gorgeous. Cam- is it Cambodia is where you're doing Well, I it? shot it in Cambodia, Rwanda, uh, Sierra Leone in, Me- in uh, Mexico, and uh, southern Utah. I shot it all over the world. Mm. Wow. You well, know, I've got a lot of frequent flyer miles. <laughs> I was just thinking that. No, that's and so I used the movie didn't really cost very much because I'd take liberty was the actress, 
And, you know, we'd just take off. So there wasn't like there was a big crew or anything. It was me and her. Mm -hmm. And all of the frequent flyer miles, and so it didn't really cost that much to There's make this movie with uh, George Clooney up in the air where he yeah. plays a guy who goes and fires people, right. and uh, he travels the country. And he finally decides he doesn't want to do that job anymore, and he uh, gets all his frequent flyer miles and travels the world. He's got 10 million. Ten, yeah, that's right. He gets the black frequent flyer mm. miles card. In. Uh, was that was that if you didn't? If you stop making movies, would you travel the world still well, as already, a tourist? I mean, I, not never as a tourist. I haven't been a tourist, I don't think, ever, quite frankly. You were just in Mexico. Not as a tourist. I don't travel as a tourist. I travel more as a journalist, actually. It's a completely different way of traveling. Completely different. How? Yeah, explain that. Well, how what would be... Tourists go to look at buildings or things. Well, how do you explain I don't know. It? What do tourists do? They go... To relax. Relax. That's really yeah. the difference. Is yeah. I think they go to, often they'll go to relax, and I never go to relax. I go to be inspired. And the people I meet and the, and the situations I'm in, like when I'm in Sierra Leone, I'm interviewing a cannibal militia leader. Mm. So that's mm. not what tourists no. do. No. You know, I ride a camel into Timbuktu. That's not exactly what tourists do. Mm. Right. Where can some do? Well, Where, yeah. some do some do stuff like that, where, and those are the people who are annoying to travel with. Yeah, true. Where can you? Where can people find all the? You know, I mean, so your big movies, the what you call the big movies, Reuben and Ed and, and Plan Ten, Beaver Trilogy, Beaver Trilogy. Where can people find well, those? I mean, really, the Ken I, Sanders sells a bunch of them. Yeah, right? Ken Sanders sells them. Basically, it's my internet site, yeah. which is. Uh, Echo uh, EchoCave.net. Uh, basically, if you just type in Trent Harris, it'll come right up yeah. if you Google that. But I've, I've resisted streaming uh, movies because, basically, if you stream a movie, you, uh, you, it's impossible to make any return on it at all. Mm. It's just it, out there, then. It's just out there. It's gone, and you can't sell any DVDs anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, and please, you know, we've talked to Trent before. We've, he's been on this show before, but... If you haven't seen some of these, just do yourself a favor and see them. They're they're wonderful. So many of your movies are just terrific. <laughs> now, Delightful Water Universe, I really like the uh, trailer for that movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love <laughs> the trailer for that movie, but I can't, I've can't. i had a hard time watching the whole movie. I've watched it once. Cause You're not the only one. Yeah. I mean, oh boy, did I get a lot of flack for that yep. film. Well, if you hated that film, oh, wait, that wait till you see... Welcome to the rubber room. <laughs> welcome to the well. You want to okay? Tell people what welcome to the rubber room is uh, like and about. If you well, um, I showed it in Orem last night as like a little pre-screaming, screaming, screaming <laughs> pre-screaming. <laughs> How many people are there? Oh, a couple of hundred. Was it down at UVU? When it's yeah, down with uh, Alex. Yeah, and they were stunned. I might think might be the right word. They had no tools to deal with this movie. They just they did not understand it. They didn't know where it was coming from. They didn't know what in the world I was talking about. They didn't understand any of the references. So it works. It was a successful yeah. film. Because, <laughs> I mean, we were in Orem, okay? <laughs> I can't wait to see the whole thing because yeah. uh, Bob, Beat Bob, Beat Bob's <laughs> in the trailer... I, I had no idea what his performance was when I saw him doing it. Yeah. Now I kind of know. <laughs> it, it, it's really, it really works well. What it did you does. see him doing? What did, what, well, I saw him doing that, but it didn't make any... I mean, it just... I thought, what he's, is not, <laughs> he's not really doing much, or he's not... Because he just mainly... 
shrugs and moves his hands and goes, yeah. <laughs> but it just, it, at least in the trailer, it works great. Yeah. But try to try to explain, wh- where does the, maybe it's not, don't tell the story because no, maybe. No, I would never do that. But what's the, what's the inspiration you know, behind it? Uh, you know what really makes me, often what I do, I make a movie about something that I'm upset about. And I'm upset about the what I think is the destruction of our country. You know, I think that things that are really, really wonderful are being torn down and replaced with things like pottery barns and bed baths and beyonds. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like Ken Sanders' bookstore, it's still there and he's still operating, but it's under threat of being torn Barely, down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, maybe in, it, it'll be a few years off, so people still go there, please. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's, a, it's a destruction of anything that is that is different and weird and wonderful and being replaced with uh, the generic. Those, all the, those apartment buildings that are going Oh, my upwards. God. What is the, you know, we are creating the ugliest city in America yeah. right now. Well, what I mean, is going on? Well, it's, uh, I mean, it's because there's such a shortage of places to live. They're but, putting up as much stuff as they can in a hurry. But why do they have to put up stuff that just kind of looks all the same? and Ugly. Yeah. It's quite frankly, they are creating, where do you think those are going to look like in 20 years? We're going to have a city filled with ugly slums. Yeah. Yeah. They will They will not be bright and shiny. No, no, no. And there's no reason to do it, quite frankly, other than what I call the uh, hedge fund money hoarding money. monsters of the earth, mm-hmm. the people that want money, the people that don't have, you know, can't have enough. And if it seems like if you've got enough money, then you can do anything and it's okay mm-hmm. because it's, you know, capitalism and success. If you've got enough money, you can grab them by the pussy. There you go. Yeah, that's Donald Trump said. That's what I heard. Uh, President Trump. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, tell people though what what the rubber room is. The rubber room is a bar uh, where malcontents hang out, basically goofball artists and and uh, writers and painters and, and would be artists. Yeah, would be artists and, and performing. And they drink beer and get in ridiculously stupid arguments. <laughs> they really are stupid arguments. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the rubber room's about to be torn down and replaced with a pottery barn. That's yeah. that's how the movie starts out. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've actually asked myself a question about whether art has any power at all. And... Um, that's part one of the themes that goes through this this movie is does art really have power? It does in certain places. You know, like I was saying, I just got back from Mexico. You know who's on the five hundred peso bill there? Uh, Diego uh, Diego Rivera, Rivera, and on the flip side is Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. And they they um, heroes down there are artists and revolutionaries and people that create and and here we don't have that. Here it's become. You know, it's how much money you make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so something about the rubber room, let me ask you this. It's a place where people can go and hang out and uh, discuss things and do art and make things. But there are also... It's a place. Seems to me, it's a place where people can be pretentious fucks too. Sure, you know. I mean, and that's part, and that's yeah. okay. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, we like people that are different and weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a line in there. Do you want to live in a world where everyone has a straight nose? It's like <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Do you want to live in a world where shopping for shower curtains is the biggest adventure of your life? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. We get to go to Costco today. Yeah, or no. people go on dates to IKEA. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, well, anyway. So, so do you, what, have you drawn the conclusion that art does have power? In it has in the past, a few times. I mean, I make many references in the film to um, Marcel Duchamp, and which was part of the problem in Orem. Nobody knew who Marcel Duchamp was. He was the father of uh, 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 Dada. 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 And, and my favorite Marcel Duchamp piece that I ever, I, I don't know if I ever saw it, but I heard it described, he hung a snow shovel on the wall mm -hmm. and called the piece in expectation of a broken arm. Right. It actually dangles from the ceiling. Oh, does it? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what it's called? Uh, something like that, or, yeah. You know, yeah. In expectation of a broken arm or a sore back or yeah. something like that. That's art. Well, a sore back makes sense because you always have a sore back after you shovel. Did you see those? Uh, the, it was in the uh, Salt Lake Tribune, I think, and the Deseret News, those Germans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dragging yeah. that giant. <laughs> they built a giant pen, a fountain pen. Yeah. Like white silver yeah and they're dragging it around the, the four country. quarters <laughs> is that where they're doing is that well, it's, they're doing? it's southern utah yeah. it's somewhere. and they're dragging it around and, the, and basically in suits it, yeah they're wearing suits <laughs> and basically they say why they say why are you doing this and they say well it's art and that was their only because art yeah because well i mean they had a little bit deeper explanation than that and i'm not sure whether i buy their explanation or whether you have to even be able to explain it but i do know that marcel duchamp did a thing where he in i think it was 1914 or something like that where he he put a urinal into an art show right. yeah, yeah. as a sculpture well it did cause a riot and it did change the way people thought they really did start saying well who's in charge here who who's making the decisions about what is art and what isn't art why isn't that art what is, why is that art and they started asking these questions it was a it was truly a revolutionary moment in thought well and wasn't the kind of the big conclusion that came out of that whole discussion was it's art if the artist says it's art well not exactly but uh, I mean, who knows? You, we could argue about this forever. And and, uh, and people do. And people still will, yeah. But the interesting question was the, was the questions that it brought up, the things that it made you start to question. So I think art has had power in the past. I mean, I, I, we talked a little bit about Allen Ginsberg. Allen Ginsberg definitely had power. Mm -hmm. You know, In fact, mm -hmm. this is a line out of uh, The Light for Water Universe. It's kind of a reoccurring theme, but there was something in there where I'm talking about Plato, and Plato said, when the walls of the city shake... Or, I mean, when the mode of the music changes, the walls of the city shake. That's about the notion that art has an extra uh, that, uh, a political force mm -hmm. to it, too. When mm -hmm. the mode of the music changes, the walls of the city shake. Mm -hmm. I was trying to think of the last time, <coughs> excuse me, I'm a little cold, that art had some kind of powerful thing like that, and I... I remember that uh, that uh, I forget the Serrano I think his name is right Piss Christ Piss Christ right that was one mm -hmm. where he where he put a, that uh, crucifix in a jar of your his own urine right uh, which you know is just was just horribly shocking to people and I I mean I read about it and I could say why that was shocking and you know the National Endowment was going to be defunded and oh all there's that. okay yeah but you know then when I finally saw a picture of it yeah. Uh, and it was sitting uh, like it, and it was lit, right. and it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it was this amber fluid, and it was sort of glorious, I Well, thought. and again, it's not the object, it's the idea. Right. So mm -hmm. do, does art have to be beautiful? No. No. I mean, there's another time when I was thinking about it, it was kind of a sad case, but it was the, what's the cartoonist that was killed in France? Because yeah, he, uh, Charlie, Charlie Hebdo. Hebdo. Yeah, yeah. The, they drew the picture of Muhammad mm -hmm. with his uh, turban, I think hiding a bomb in his turban or something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, something like 
Yeah. Yeah, you're not supposed to draw any pictures of... of well, I mean, so, I think you know, it caused a... You know, the mm-hmm. art still can have power. Yeah. And, I mean, I think there's maybe... You know, I mean, I think about maybe the, the political influencers of maybe my generation or, you know, because there's certainly, I mean, there video games are a modern form of art that seem to be the most, reach the furthest. Well, in terms of people, but does it change things? I don't know. Not yet. Not yet, but, but it, it could. could. It could. It, could it absolutely could. I mean, I think there's something in, poli- I mean, I think maybe John Stewart did it. Kathy, yeah, Kathy Griffin holding up a bloody, severed head that looks like Donald Trump. Is that art? Well, you know, I think that's what she kind of intended it to be. Well, yeah, yeah, I think you know, there's satire and there's, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. You, you know, it's I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one to get into uh, defining this is and this isn't because I've studied it long enough to know better <laughs> than to try to do that. <laughs> But, uh, I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But it's uh, to me, it's always been important. It, to me, it's always been important. And I'm, uh, you know, those those are the people that I look up to and my heroes. You seem rather pleased that the people down in Orem who watched Welcome to the Rubber Room <laughs> didn't seem to have any idea what it was about. And or did they? I assume you had a question and answer period afterwards. There wasn't one question. You're kidding? Me. No, the audience was completely silent. And I said, "Are there any questions?" Nobody raised their hand. Is this a film class or a no? No, no. this was a, just a whole group of students mm-hmm. and faculty. And then, uh, so I just started to talk, and I started to talk about the movie. Mm-hmm. I said, "You know, I didn't make up this stuff about the urinal. Marcel Duchamp is a real person. This is a real thing. Art has power. Are you mad because they're tearing down things and putting mm-hmm. them up with pottery barns?" And you know, I went into all of this for. I just decided, well, if they're not going to ask me, I'll tell them. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'd laugh, and they'd all just kind of sit there with their mouths. Did anybody come around? One girl came. Well, no, there was one girl and one guy that came up after everybody else had left, and they were wonderful. Hmm. But other than that, she said, you know, the girl said, you know, my husband, I came with my husband, and he said, why am I watching this? And he got up and walked out. (laughs) And she said, but I, I liked it. She said, I'm a dancer. I, I kind of understand some of this art stuff. And I said, yeah. yeah. Well, good. You know, people often don't have tools. People talk about art, and people don't have t- the tools to look at art. It's a muscle you have to Yeah, you, it's, a, it's true. It is true. You have mm-hmm. to develop a sense of aesthetics. Yep. Yeah. You know? I saw, now listen, I saw a great piece of, here, a great piece of art recently. Yeah. Dance made me think of it. And it was a guy at BYU. He's a dance teacher at BYU, a professor. And I don't remember his name now, but uh, you're going to look for it. The name of the piece was called Sonder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the old uh, uh, building the bay over here on uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. West Temple. And he did it in there. And he had uh, a, a cast of extremely talented dancers. And they did this performance on all levels. On level, yeah. And you had to follow them around, and you could pick which dancer to follow. So you're walking, too? You are following people around the mm-hmm. whole performance. Right. And, and you stop in different, and there are little performances every, everywhere uh, going on. And then they all kind of come together, and then they go apart and come together and go apart. And in one, I went twice. Wow. In one viewing, you kind of can figure out the the whole story that he's telling 
But two, if you go twice, you really, because then you can pick to follow. You think, well, I followed that person right. last time. I'm going to follow this dancer this time and see what happens. It's exciting, it's isn't really, it? It was really cool. Yeah, and it affected you a lot. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, Graham, Graham Brown. Was Graham the guy Brown is his name. That Not Steve Brown. No. no. Graham, Graham Brown. He's a BYU. He's a pretty young professor. Uh, I think he's from here. He was he was a dancer. He's become a choreographer. He was an extreme. You should look up, just look up S O N D E R. I would like to have seen it. Yeah, there's stuff about. So that's a piece of art. People, so people are still doing unusual you know, things. A, there is yeah. a fantastic art show right now at Umoka. And what it is, have you seen it? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we had uh, one of the women, Balkis. Oh, did you? Yeah, she's shot. been on this show. Is it, wasn't it fascinating? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Yeah. Contemporary art from Saudi Arabia. Who would have guessed? Yeah. yeah. yeah some beautiful people. She's really amazing, too. Yeah. Have you talked to her at all? I didn't get a chance. Man, she's just great. She uh, she does, she puts on the full, right. uh, uh, covers herself up entirely, and then hula hoops. Right. And right. it's really interesting. Right. Yeah. So, so art does... It still can have power. I it think. can. I mean, there and particularly a, in repressive societies like Saudi Arabia. Well, or one Salt of the Lake, most powerful. Or Orem. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, one of the most powerful pieces that, in that that it really affected me that I still think about, and you know, it's been a month. Almost every day, I think about those photographs of those women in the bumper cars. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it's a video. Of, it's a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, it's extraordinary image. I mean, and it's just these images are great, and these women are filled with such joy. They're children again. Mm-hmm. And then you realize the reason that they're filled with such joy is because they're not allowed to drive. That's part of it. Well, and then they're, they're in the full, what uh-huh. is hajjah? Burkas or whatever. Yeah, the full burkas. Yeah. Well, so powerful. Well, you know, there, if you look at that, there's a sign, I believe, on the wall behind him that says, No Screaming. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know why they're also uh, f- filled with such joy? Bumper cars are fucking fun, yeah. man. <laughs> they're, they're fun. Yeah, they they might have also fun. been cotton candy after that. So I don't know. Uh, let's talk about the there, We're all drunk. Yeah. Let's talk about the rubber room some more okay. and about how you... Uh, uh, how do you, how uh, I escaped. <laughs> how you escape from the rubber room. How do you, I mean, how do you... Put a, a movie together like that. You, where do you let's find from, these can, people? Let's like, uh, yeah. Can where we do go you back? Find, even what was your? Let's go back. You had you had an idea. I mean, let's start from how you come up with this. Well, it comes from. It. I believe in muses. Muses okay. are something that you know a, a little f- magical fairy comes and taps you on the head and you get an idea. Well, I think those for me muses are things that make me really angry. If something makes me really angry, I consider that a muse. It's like I feel strongly about that thing, and so that's where it begins. I start to write about things that that I feel strongly about. So Whether you saw Pottery Barn and got all pissed. Well, that's part of it. There, you know, and and. So it comes from a, it's a synthesis of many different things that I'm interested in at that moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in art. I'm interested in Dada. I've been exploring that. I, you know, when I did Luna Mesa, a lot of the script was written using using uh, Dada word games. So I was, you know, getting, really? in, yeah, I was mm-hmm. getting interested in all of this kind of of stuff. And, um, you know, I I learned a long time ago, really after my first feature film, that a lot of people are just not going to like my movies. (laughs) So 
Isn't it funny? That so what am I going to do? Am I going to stop making them and make the kind of movies that they want? And it's like, uh, since I'm not making any money anyway, I'm going to make the movies I want to make. I'm going to make something that I would like to sit down and watch. It's I funny might though, be the only one. It's but. funny, though, that your first movie, your your first kind of, you know. Hollywood uh, movie. Yeah, uh, Reuben and Ed, is really pretty straight ahead. I mean, the characters are weird, yeah. but it's a pretty straight ahead movie. Well, you, wouldn't it, you say it's very it, structured? And it's it, well, I tell you, it wasn't in 1991 when that came out. That was a very... Di- I mean, it is. I agree with you totally, but people were like, what in the hell is this? What, why? Because, I mean, maybe it's the, the characters are just such oddballs and say such strange things. Well, uh, you but know... it was part, really well-structured and applauded. I, I think it's got something to do, again, with the development of a sense of aesthetics. And I think a lot of movie critics, quite frankly, don't have a developed uh, sense of aesthetics. Their sense of aesthetics is developed by looking at movies. Well, yeah. there are other things. When you start to add in other things like sculpture and painting and politics and things that shape, you know, how many dances did they go to? How many operas did they go to? How much travel have they done? Mm -hmm. This is how you develop a sense of aesthetics. So they come into a movie like Reuben and Ed, and they haven't seen anything like it before. Mm -hmm. And so what they are trying to do is categorize categorize things. This is a comedy. This is a drama. This is, And then they come up against me, and it's like... Well, what in the hell is this? (laughs) Does not compute. Does not compute. But one of your most highly thought of movies, though, I think, is the you know the Beaver trilogy. Beaver trilogy. Talk about not fitting into a category. Yeah, that uh, that doesn't fit into any category. And yet, that in certain ways isn't that your most critically acclaimed movie? Probably. Yeah, it's weird. I you know I just had a screening in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago. Completely sold out. Another one in Brooklyn and another one in. And this happens with some regularity. Reuben and Ed and Beaver Trilogy. Somebody gets a hold of you and says, would you like to come and show Beaver Trilogy and we'll talk about it? Yeah, fairly. Yeah. fairly Bill, will often. you give us a quick overview of what that's about? Beaver, <laughs> the, the, Beaver, the Beaver Good Trilogy? Luck. Good luck. Well, it's, it starts with, I, you know, actually part of my uh, feeling about the Beaver Trilogy has to be informed by an interview that I heard you do with uh, Starly Kind. Oh, you This American Life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I could sense that you were pretty uncomfortable with that interview, but she kind of nailed you, I think. Yeah. She had it, I think, and it's the story of this uh, kid that it was first, it starts out with uh, uh, this, it's, it's a documentary piece. Right. The first part. Yeah, the very first part of the trilogy. Uh, it's uh, Trent Harris was out in the parking lot at Channel 2. And uh, what was the kid's name? Grooven Gary. Grooven Gary. And there's this Grooven Gary. And he's... How... Arresting. Oh, my God. It's like you cast somebody... Uh, it's like an acting job. Yeah. But he's, it's a real character. Trent was out just messing around with the camera, and there's this guy out there, Grooven Gary, and he's talking about being on the TV and talking about his car and talking about Olivia being on Newton the new John and Olivia and Newton-John. And he's just, oh, man, and he's he's, he's a really 80s guy, too. He's he's 70s. Was it this 70s? would have been 70s. And yeah. he uh, and he to- talks to Trent about uh, playing. A, he's going to be playing, and it's just him talking to the camera the whole time. Basically, he invites eventually invites me down to Beaver, Utah, where he's put on a talent show. It's going to be Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. And, and then it's all the townspeople are doing various talents. And he puts on his makeup in the mortuary the mort- because the mortician's the only one that can do makeup, and he comes out <laughs> in full drag 
uh, on a Beaver High School tele, uh, mm-hmm. talent show. Talent show, and yeah, and then he does the and he does Olivia Newton-John plays the mm-hmm. piano and. Uh, does he, does he lip sync it or does he no, really he, do, he really does it? Yeah. <laughs> so then, basically, the reason that's a trilogy is because I redid the story again and cast Sean Penn as that role. Sort of fictionalized it, in yeah, a slightly. But, uh, slightly. And then I did it again with Crispin Glover in that role. Yeah. So it's three different uh, Takes, portrayals of the same exact event. Yeah, and they're and they're they're different. I mean, obviously yeah. they're different because of uh, each one adds a little bit different layer yeah, to it. Yeah, and and uh, and I'm re- and and it, it's just it's very arresting. And I think uh, what Starley Kine kept going after you and saying, "Well, why did you do this?" And and Gary had a uh, you felt that you'd exploited him in some way. Well, the thing was is that he shot himself yeah. after I had uh, done the first documentary but not not because of that well he called me up and said please don't shoot it or, or, or please or don't please it. don't show it <laughs> and i said oh don't worry about that i hear that a lot yeah. anyway he did shoot himself it didn't kill him but it shot him he shot himself mm-hmm. so then i put the film away first time i didn't think i'd exploited him he's the one that invited me down yeah. but if i start showing it after that then i feel like i've exploited mm-hmm. him but really what it was is that he, he didn't die and so for years i'd wanted to show the piece and the, mm-hmm. everything i'd put together but i didn't and when starley at, on this american life basically what they were all going for is did, did this guy shoot himself and i was not going to say that because yeah. i just wasn't going to say it i'll do it now because actually it's out there well and he's He's died here a few years ago, so it's there's no not as a, not as a result of the shooting or anything. No, it, it was some other complication. Yeah, it was. I think he was 54 or something, and hmm. still in Beaver, Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remarkable guy, changed my whole life. Yeah, and 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 it's just interesting that that with that kind of little background, that it, it sort of it brings the the whole trilogy kind of really into sharp focus. I think, yeah, when you think of it that way. Of, it's a strange movie. It's a strange experiment, and to put those, you know, put those three films together like that, um, it's not like any other film. Films don't mm-hmm. operate that way, so it was an interesting experiment. It's really, I mean, and it's, it's also the kind of thing that you cannot repeat. <laughs> no. it's not like I could go out and do that form again. No. it's just not going to work. No, and it's uh, but and the performances like uh, when you get Sean Penn and. Yeah. Then, um, uh, Crispin Glover, they're pretty remarkable. Yeah. They're pretty, sure but they pale in comparison to the real guy. You're, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're really right. Do. Groovin' Gary is, is brilliant. The star. He's brilliant. <laughs> he <is> brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he is just brilliant. He's so yeah. genuine. Yeah, and so excited about everything. Yeah. yeah. So if you so see the Beaver trilogy, you can get it at Trent Harris's website. Yeah. Order it echocave.net. Yeah. Right. Yeah, or just Do type it. in Google Trent Harris and it'll come right up. And then if you wanna if you wanna see too much of me, you can uh, go see get delightful water oh, universe. Oh, you know I think, Bill, you are great in that movie. Why did you think of me for that? You were you the just, only you were the only one that would do it. <laughs> <laughs> you just called me up out of the blue. Want to be in a movie? <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Why not? Well, you know what I like to do, and this is really. This is really the base of what I do is I like to build kind of a little family of people to make a film with. So I like to work with my friends, and we all get together, and we have a pretty good time. Yeah. You know, it's not like a normal movie set where everybody's under a lot of pressure, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of, can I say assholes on the Mm -hmm. set? Because there are an awful lot on a movie Mm -hmm. set. I mean, the... 
uh, anyway. Yeah. This is I I get a group of people that are my family, and we make a movie, and then I like to work with them again. I mean, you and Stephanie were in that, mm-hmm. and, and then in Rubber and, Room, and in Rubber Room, and Stephanie I'd worked with before in Plan Ten. Yeah. Has Pat been in every one of your movies almost? Yeah, except uh, for the Beaver trilogy, but or is he in that? No, he's not in that. I know he's been. He in wasn't Plan in Luna Mesa, oh, but yeah, yeah Pat's he's been in a lot. Plan of Ten and yeah, yeah, he's naked in Plan Ten. That's right. That's his ass. Whose ass is it in Rubber Room? I can't tell you. It's a secret. <laughs> they made me promise not to do tell. You, but you know who's asking oh, I do know. Yeah. yeah, we showed that on our, uh, our our live stream thing today. It's, <laughs> it's the Internet. You can show a, a, a hairy male ass for a second. <laughs> you think it's male. Well, that's what I, that's what I said, too. I said, it, it's, uh, I think Gina said, you know, that's uh, you can't show a guy's butt like that. I said, well, you can, and I, but maybe it's not a guy. <laughs> maybe. Um, so uh, we were kind of took a little trail off there, but we were talking about. Yeah, boy, did we ever! That's all right. That's that's the point of a podcast. Uh, so I was trying to maybe go through if you have any kind of process. So you oh, right. you get that's mad at the pottery. <laughs> you get mad at the pottery barn. But he or, writes and a other things. You write then, a script, and yeah. then you you sit down and you start writing. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And are you, are you writing a script, or what are you writing? Yeah, I'm writing a script, but I don't necessarily start at the beginning and go to the end. The thing you do is you you write the part that you know, and then you fill in the rest later. If you if you try to start at the beginning and go through it sequentially, at least for me, I can't really do that. I don't know. I don't think very many writers do do that. Quite frankly, you know, you write the parts you know, and and you begin to develop characters that way, and and there, you reach a point where the uh, movie actually takes over, and and dictates what it is that I have to write. It's like if I write this, okay, that'll work. If I write this, it won't work. And the movie lets you know that. Or so the you get all these little you know. points, and you have to connect them. There's that's not a bad way to put it. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely that. So then you come up with a story. Then I go get my friends, and I say, let's make a movie. How uh, uh, how long does it take you to write a script? Well, that that depends. It it takes a long time. I mean, Ruben and Ed, I must have worked on for well over two years. I mean, it's a hard, yeah. painful thing to do, quite frankly. When you uh, do something like, uh, I asked you how long the rubber room, uh, what's its runtime? Right. You said about, what, 78 minutes? Or 75 or something like that, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> 70 minutes. It seemed like, when when I was working on it, it seemed like there were hours and hours and hours of film. Yeah. How, there well, really wasn't. <clears throat> I mean, we may have been standing there for hours and hours, but it, there really wasn't that. I don't shoot that much, quite frankly. I'm not one of these guys that, you know, shoots 40 hours and cuts it down to one. Yeah, so so really, you didn't cut a lot out of it. Well, I cut stuff out, so, but I don't, you know, I mean, with, for instance, working with you, I seldom had to do more than, you know, one or two, three takes, maybe. Yeah. You know, I'd say... Bill made, you know, most of the time I did, we just did it. But once in a while I'd say, oh, no, the joke is right here. And you yeah. go, oh, boing, and your light bulb yeah. would go on, and then we'd just move forward like that. So I didn't do, if you look at that, I don't do a lot of takes with anybody. No, really. you don't. You don't. You don't. You don't do a lot of directing, really, Trent. Well, you and know, you are a director. But the the trick to that is is you cast the right people. You don't want to be in there directing while you're you know directing actors while you're trying to shoot. It's mm-hmm. too late then. Mm-hmm. What you do is you cast them right, 
And then you get on there, and you've cast them right, they're going to do it. So, so then what you're concerned about, if you've cast everybody right, you've got the set pretty much right, what you're doing is you're concerned about how how it looks well or there's the pace. that there's i'm you mean well i'm concerned about a lot of things but one of them is how it looks and I, you get a good cameraman like we had to help out on that what i'm concerned about is that is that uh, in my brain i have to keep the con there is a continuity that goes on it may not be what wa- watch you have but it's where you are at emotionally because we shoot things out of sequence yeah. So, for instance, I know that even though this is the first scene that I've shot with you, you have to be at this one place emotionally. Yeah, yeah. So that, and you know, and then maybe five days later, or sometimes five weeks later, we shoot another scene, and I know, well, this happened before that, so he has to be here. That's the hard thing about. See, I was, I've always been trained as a stage actor, and you have right. that continuity, and you, you know, right. your your character develops, and you, your emotion builds. And so when you're doing the film, it's all over it's, the place. Yeah, that's really a special skill a good actor, you know, has to develop. That's hard to do. I, I would imagine it's very difficult. Yeah. That's where the directing comes in and helps. Mm-hmm. can say, oh, no, this is... Remember. Rem- yeah. yeah. Remember when we did what we did? Well, or this yeah. one's lower, mm-hmm. this one's higher, mm-hmm. this one. I think that... When you when I work with actors, I'm not a great director. I'm not a, I know very little about acting, quite frankly. But when I, I, I think that the less that you tell them, often the better off you are. So I can say faster, you know what that means. Sure. I can say slower, you know what that means. Mm-hmm. If I get into say, stuff like, you know, imagine you're bacon frying in a pan and all, <laughs> you know, there we're are, in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> we're in trouble yeah. at that point. Director, there are directors who do that. I know. Sure. I've seen it, yeah. and I think it's ridiculous. Huh. Um, how uh, long? How long did you shoot? Welcome to the rubber room. Well, you know, it was shot over a long period of time. The right. thing that, that I've done is that. Um, so I don't know exactly how many days. I'm going to say, I don't know, maybe twenty days total. But they wouldn't even be full days. But what I've done is, since I don't have any money, if you have time, you can make that work too. So what I do is I split the movies that I've made. Ever since, quite frankly, ever since Reuben and Ed, I've done this. I split the movies into sections, and then I shoot sections. So I can I can produce a ten minute section of the film. That's doable. And then we go, and I go back, and I and I do all of the preparation for the next fifteen minutes or something like that. So it can take. There can be weeks and weeks between that ten minutes and the next fifteen minutes. But that is actually, I think, a, a way to work if you don't have any money. Mm-hmm. To, if I had to sit down and, and say, okay, we're going to shoot this movie and it's going to take us 30 days, you can't do it because yeah. you're working. Yeah. So the only way I could get you to do that is to pay you big bucks and yeah. you'd have that kind of sure. thing. So, I, you know, you can't do that. Uh, do you, uh, what was the do – I don't remember. Do you remember the period of time since we, you first started shooting it until you – It might have been it, a year. Yeah, probably. It it was a long one. This was a long one because uh, I remember – you went out and you first shot after your uh, your back surgery, Bill. Yeah, you had right. a you oh, had right. the wound pump that's on right. his back, and that's he was right. still kind of recovering. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm a long time, six yeah. eight a year went by, a long time. And went then we by, finished it, yeah. and they said, and and he said, I'm going to shoot this movie with Trent Harris. And I said, Oh, another one. No, yeah. and he went, No, same no, ones, the same one from last year. Well, you know that first sequence that we did was all in the rubber room, which was a set we built. Mm-hmm. So after the set was torn down, then we had to, I had to come up with the next, you know, all of the stuff that was Outside, needed yeah. to get to the next 
part of the movie, so it takes a long time. I love, uh, just in the trailer for uh, The Rubber Room, uh, Welcome to the Rubber Room, uh, the one thing I like, I'm in, in two pieces of the trailer, and I like where, uh, what's his name and I are outside. Tito. Tito. We're outside the rubber room, and we look like meerkats, you know. Kind of. uh, well, you know, it reminds me of whack-a-mole. Yeah. You know, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think maybe you said that, too. You said, yeah. well, let's make it like whack-a-mole. <laughs> no, that's very funny. Yeah. That's the other thing that's really exciting about working with people like you is is if you cast somebody that that is better at it than I am, then you bring things to it that I would have never been able to do. Like, you guys came up with that. I don't think I, I did. Think, yeah, I think you're right. We did. You guys came up with that. That's not, And it was like, wow, that's really good. Go for it. You know, mm-hmm. make it a whack-a-mole. Yeah, keep doing that. Yeah, do that. Do, do it. more of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the exciting thing is when people come in and, and, and add to the dimensions that I would have never have thought of. Do you I, edit your own stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, he does everything. What do you What do you use? Oh, I use an old form of uh, of uh, razor final, blade. Final cut. I have oh. cut with razor blades before. Uh, yeah, I've cut films with razor blades when I started. Yeah. How long uh, <laughs> How long does it take you to edit? How Not long. Did it take long. You to edit rubber room? Not very long. I edit very quickly. I know how to edit because I've been doing it since I two hundred movies. Yeah. So I I what forty three years or something. Forty more than that. Hmm. So a couple months? Oh no, I can edit it. No, much quicker than that. And and he does the music too. Yeah, and compose that, and, the music. And why? And tell tell people why you do the music. Wait, why? Because I got so screwed up on the other stuff. Because <laughs> of because of Reuben and Ed, right? Oh no, it wasn't Reuben and Ed. It was Beaver Trilogy. Oh, I thought it was Reuben and Ed. No, it was Beaver Trilogy. I had a lot of trouble uh, getting it released. Because, well, in fact, it never got really released because of music rights. Copyright stuff. Yeah, it's just trying to get yeah. rights to Olivia Newton-John song. Forget it, unless you've got big bucks. Yeah, yeah. Right. If you've got enough money, they'll... Unless some for some reason Olivia Newton-John sees the movie no, and says, I'm the, in love with that. Go no, ahead. no, that wouldn't even work. No. No, because you're not dealing with she the artist. She doesn't own it, yeah. yeah. You're dealing with ASCAP. Yeah, and they don't give a shit. No, they want... Yeah, mm-hmm. so... It, you can people say, "Well, I know this band, and they'll let me do it." It's like, "Yeah, good luck. That doesn't matter." So, so you do all the music yourself too, right? Well, I have for the last three movies. Mm-hmm. I quite enjoy that part, actually. I love doing that. Garage band is what do you a use lot of band? a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of that, and, and uh, natural sounds that I'll record mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, special effects. How do you do those? Just on the computer. Because that, I mean, that volcano looks very real. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I, you know, that's, that I, I whole sequence oh, in front of the, in front of the, uh, in, front of the, in front of the curtain with you and, and uh, Mia. And I, I love that last sequence. I just love that. I can't wait that. to see it. All I saw was the trailer with Stephanie and, uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, what's his name? Pat? Uh, no, with the beard. Uh, uh, when he goes, so is this supposed to be a comedy? Oh, right, right. Dan. Uh, Dan. Yeah. Dan Morley. <laughs> I couldn't think of Dan's name for a second. Morley, yeah. yeah. He's uh, he's great, too. He's really funny. He's, yeah. He's kind of nutty, and I like that. I do, too. Yeah. And he's... he's uh, He's a real special talent. I, I just think he, he's been in two of my movies now. See, yeah, see, the thing about Delightful Water Universe, for instance, Dan Morley was in it, and uh, Stephanie, M- 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 and Stephanie. Now, but but Matthew Bennett, 
Matt, Matthew Ivan Bennett, who's a playwright, and Dan Morley are in it, and I had no idea they were in it until I saw the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know they were in it. Huh. And I saw the movie, and I went, oh, I know that guy. Right. I didn't... He's in the movie, huh? Mm-hmm. Because they were to- just yeah, filmed shot at totally, a different time and place. Totally different time. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if I figured it out until uh, Matthew Bennett, because he's only in, you know who he is? Yeah. He's the jailer, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He uh, said to me, you know, we've been in a movie together <laughs> when I was working with him at Plan B doing right. something. We have? Yeah, I'm in Delightful Water Universe. You are? <laughs> I don't remember you. And then he said, I, "I'm the jailer, you know." And I'm, right. oh. but we didn't. We never were on the set together. Right, right. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's uh, that's that's how Trent works too. Just like you said, chunks of the movie, and I think those chunks were done way before they might have been before I, I ever started working yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, so you're going to show "Welcome to the Rubber Room" at the Tower coming up Friday well, Friday whenever you're listening to this it's Friday September 22nd 22nd. that's the first showing yeah um, at 7:30 is when the red carpet madness begins <laughs> i mean don't think of this as a movie premiere think of this as a surrealist happening then it works better. The, the, it's not just the movie it's the whole experience it's yeah i've got some kind of strange surprises and mm-hmm. actually i've got a hula hoop artist you do? Yes, I do. Well, cool. well, you shouldn't have given that away. Oh. Well, we'll bleep that out. <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, so, so, and then it'll show... I think uh, it goes on for the week. For yeah. a week. Yeah. And they'll do uh, one showing a day or two? Or you know, you're I'm not, not, you're sure. not sure. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the great Can thing you? about the Salt Lake Film Society, too. They, you know, we... Supportive. We, yeah, and we do ads on our sh- show, the Radio From Hell show, for, for the Salt Lake Film Society all the time, and we say... Well, yeah, sure, they have all these movies at the Broadway and at the Tower, but uh, they also support local filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, they they uh, try and, you know, ha- nurture film community here in Salt Lake. And that's I think, true. And I think that's great a great thing that they do. And, by, and speaking of the Tower, uh, you can rent a lot of your – you can rent the Beaver Valley Trilogy there, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, Beaver Trilogy. Not, not Ruben and Not Ed. Valley, just Beaver Trilogy. The Beaver Sorry. Valley. <laughs> I always, completely yeah. different film. Yeah. I always – yeah. Well, we used to, when we drive down through... We always go to the Beaver Valley Chevron. It's our family tradition. So, like, for me, the word, when thinking about the city beaver, valley always comes because it's our... It's the place with the big rocking chair. It it was just, anyway. This is your family tradition? Well, it's one of them. And alcoholism. (laughs) Um, uh, 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 I was going to say about the beaver... Uh, you know, there was the old, there was the old saying, the Fillmore Beaver area. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Down Holden, there in the Fillmore, Fillmore Beaver Well, and then I met the sheriff of Holden, Utah. And he is a really nice guy. I think he listened to our show, and he said, uh, I said, it's nice to be down here in the Fillmore Beaver area. And he says, you know, we say the Holden Fillmore Beaver area. <laughs> it's the Holden Fillmore Beaver area. Because oh. that's funnier. <laughs> yeah, it is. I had, to, I, I had to explain to my grandma that joke the other day. You did. We were no. We were driving back from Las Vegas. I was with my grandma, who's eighty something. She's, oh. she's eighty nine. How did that go? She likes fine. to. She likes to. We gamble. played bingo. I, I. It was fine. But we were <laughs> we were driving back, and she's ninety almost. So she's. Where are we? And I said we're in the Holden Fillmore Beaver area, Grandma. Was she, was she driving? No. Oh, no, okay. I was driving. <laughs> and and my my aunt and my mom who were in the car kind of chuckled at that, and she went, "What? I don't get it." So we had to explain. Well, it's it's a dirty joke, Grandma, about mm. 
she understood she went, oh, oh, Dylan. about women's genitals. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, Dylan. <laughs> and she went back to sleep. Uh, so, any uh, uh, what's next? What are you uh, yeah. pissed off about now? Oh boy. Right now, I'm just having a good time. I'm taking Spanish class. Did I say that? Yeah, that's cool. That's been, you know, I got to tell you something. Our legislature, as much as we all make fun of them, actually did a really, really good thing. What? They passed a bill called HB 60, which means that anybody over 55 can go to college for $25 a semester. That's a full load. Really? Really. Really. No, is that uh, the University of Utah, or is it Salt it's all, Lake Community I, College? No, or? it's all it's all universities and colleges in Utah. Weber State, Utah Anything. State. Oh, you yeah. know about this? No, uh, not, very, not very many people yeah. do know about it. I just found out about it, and then, oh my God, I can sign up. I can take all of these classes for twenty five bucks. Are you kidding me? That's not one class. That's the whole load for as a many, whole semester, as many geez. as you want. So, but you're just taking one class. Uh, yeah, Spanish. yeah. I'm going to take some more next next quarter and stuff. How's it, where, are you? Are you taking it at the U? Or yeah. How's yeah. it going? Well, it's hard to learn a language when you're when you get older. I think. I don't know about that. No, I don't know. Why? I don't know. Because I'm, I... I'm getting slow. Is that what you're saying, Bill? No, Come I don't on, know. Come on, I'm going to race you up the it, stairs right it, now. <laughs> just, you'd win. Yep. Uh, it just, I'm, it just, uh, I don't know. That's I tried what people to say. Spanish. Yeah, I tried to take Spanish, and I, and I just kind of stopped. It was hard. It is hard. I got to admit, it's hard. And I think the the other people in the class are ahead of me. Mm. But uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Maybe you should make a movie all in Spanish. Yeah, actually. You know, I have a girlfriend now. From, yes. I think you met Soso from Paris. Yes, I have met her. Yeah, she speaks four languages. So she, you know, talk about make you feel stupid. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> yeah. Watch, I can make Trent feel stupid. I'll speak yeah. another language. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's uh, um, uh, so. Do that. Do sp- learn Spanish and then make a movie in Spanish. Yeah. Well, you know. Actually, I am thinking of doing another movie, and I think this one might be a short, but uh, The Cave of the Echo People. You know, in Reuben and Ed, the, Reuben goes into The Cave of the Echo People. Well, I thought of revisiting just The Cave with uh, Swakama from mm-hmm. uh, Delightful Water Universe. Mm-hmm. So she discovers The Cave while she's out writing a book on ants and eatable plants. Ants and eatable plants. And have her go in. Part of this comes from, uh, it's not only what makes me angry, but what I'm interested in. And when I was in um, Mexico, uh, I I went to a Mayan exhibit, and they had a whole bunch of stuff about hallucinogenics and going into the underworld and caves and the whole, you know, mythology, Mayan mythology about caves as places of transition. Mm -hmm. And it really, um, to me, was a fascinating idea this this idea of going into a cave and being transformed, you know, if you've got a problem, you go in there and it's eventually you answered. Take, you, take, you take eat some psilocybin well, and some you peyote, would, and you don't really have to. Uh, you know, I mean, there are plenty of myths where they don't do that. Mm-hmm. Where the cave you, itself ta- has the power. You're taken into the underworld. I mean, it goes through Popo Vu, which is the Mayan stuff. It goes through so many different. Um, you know, the river sticks mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. the Greek mythology and all of that sort of stuff. It's all, mm. there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. And I I started thinking about that, and that seemed to me to be really an interesting yeah. idea. The cave of the echo people. Yeah. yeah. Do it. I that think sounds, I will, yeah. And if you need if you need somebody, I'll, I'll be happy to. 
be Bigfoot? I'd be. <laughs> I don't want to be Bigfoot. <laughs> oh come on, no, Bill! I don't. I wanna... told you I cast these things the way people really are. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you cast me as Mean Fred. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, uh, that Trent. Is, that is a good title for your. Mean, uh, I mean, I mean, a good uh, name for a character. Mean Fred. I'm Mean Fred. I'm uh, Mean Fred, and that's what he says his name is. Mean. They call me Mean Fred. I'm not really mean. They just call me mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really mean. He is kind of mean, though. He's kind of mean. Yeah. I. Uh, he's, you know, he's cast me as Scott Vicious and <laughs> Mean, mean <laughs> Fred. I don't know. There's, there's kind of a theme there. I think. Yeah. No. I. I think it's correct. He's good at casting. <laughs> All right. Uh, September 22nd. Yep. yep. The Tower it's Theater. Tower Theater, uh, 7.30, and it's called Welcome to the Rubber Room. It's one of Trent Harris's most incomprehensible movies ever, perhaps. You know that's the best way to put you it. You think? Yeah, I think so. Because uh-huh. you put it that way. I mean, the, in the trailer, you say you know, things like... Uh, uh, this is this is the most uh, uh, rejected rejected director <laughs> in history. <laughs> you know, so rejected by cinematic authorities everywhere. That's mm-hmm. exactly worldwide. That, you, you wear that as a badge of pride. Well, you have to. Yeah. You know the best thing anybody ever said to me was, "You may not like what he does, but he's the only one doing it." <laughs> and I thought actually I liked that. I thought yeah. that was nice. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah, I think that's excellent. Me too. All right, thanks, Trent. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. I'm going to cast you now. I've got a plan for you. See? Okay. <laughs> That's what he does. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> and remember, if you're pouring the drinks, uh, today you better make mine a trip. Broadway Media Podcast Network.